Amen. You all may be seated. That's a new song. I, I don't know how many weeks ago I was back in the back by myself working one day and, and I was listening to um, my, pan, my uh, Pandora worship set and that song came on and I'm like, man, I've never heard that before. And I was like, who is that? And I never heard, don't know what church it was or anything, but I showed that to Paul. I'm like, let's, let's put that in, in, in the set. Because that, that, isn't that why we're here? To worship? I mean, no other reason. We've come to worship. So, hey, but do me a favor. Open your Bibles to John chapter 21. Uh, this is the last message in our study of the book of John. Did someone go hoo-hoo? Or was I just hearing things? I thought something like, hoo-hoo, we're out of John. No more rough teaching. Wrong. Wait till we get to Isaiah. Uh, um, but I actually started this study through the book of John back on February 6th of 2022. So we've been in here for a while. And even though we've jumped out a few times um, for a little few um, series, this is my 71st message. Um, 71 messages to go through the book of John. So it's kind of a bittersweet thing for me because when I've been in a a book for so long, it's weird coming out of it. And even as I was putting this message together, it's almost like I'm wrapping it up and I want to finish by going, hey, it's been great having you guys take care. But uh, we're not. We're just, you know, but hey, um, but today we are looking at um, spiritual shepherding. And it's kind of a spinoff from last week as we looked at spiritual fishing and um, as we saw last week, uh, we looked at spiritual fishing, and the big idea of spiritual fishing was, hey, um, it, it's about proclaiming the gospel. Spiritual fishing is a, it, it's fulfilling the commandment that Jesus gave the disciples and commissioned to the church to go and, 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 and be witnesses, go and preach the gospel, go and tell people about me. And, and so spiritual fishing is, is telling people about Jesus, being a witness for Jesus, and hoping and praying to see people come to know Christ. That's what spiritual fishing is about. And, and I said that spiritual, spiritual fishing requires three things. One, spiritual fishing requires um, that, that, that we stay on mission. Because the, the disciples... Peter and six other guys got off mission. Jesus had commissioned them before his death and after his death. He's like, here's what you are to do, guys. Go, make disciples. They got off mission. Peter was like, I'm going back to regular fishing. And they did. They got off mission. We got to stay on mission. We're as a church, not just a church, but as the church, as Christians, we all are commissioned by Jesus to go. Be, a, be a, a disciple maker. Go and be a witness. Go and proclaim the gospel. That's what our, our mission is, to go. We've got to stay on that mission. The second thing I said that is required is that we stay in line with the leading and direction of the Lord. We've got to keep praying. You, you, how many of you know you don't save anybody in your own strength? All right, it, It's not happening. But we pray and we seek the, the, the will of the Lord. We seek his direction. We pray for God to open up doors of conversations. We pray that, that when those doors are open, we pray that we would step through those doors to say something. We pray for hearts to be responsive to the gospel. We've we, we got to pray that God will be in the middle of this thing. And so if I'm going to witness at work, witness to a family member, witness to a friend, how many of you know I need the, the direction of the Holy Spirit in that? 
And then the third thing that is required to be a spiritual fisherman is you got to stay with it. Anybody other than me think witnessing's hard? Okay, does it ever get frustrating to talk to a friend, a coworker, over and over and over and over, and they just keep rejecting, rejecting, rejecting? And sometimes you just want to throw your hands up and say, "I'm done witnessing, man. I keep trying, but nobody." It's hard, but you got to stay with it. And and so spiritual fishing is the first element. But here's the thing: spiritual fishing just isn't it. All right, we want to be proclaiming the gospel. We want to be witnesses, but that's not where we stop. We got to go from spiritual fishing and continue on to spiritual shepherding. Okay? We want people to come to know Christ, but we also got to see people grow in Christ. All right? And that's what today's message is all about spiritual shepherding. And just like I said, there were three requirements for spiritual fishing. Today, I want to look at what's required for spiritual shepherding. And so we're looking at five things from our text today about spiritual shepherding. And so here are those five things. Here's the first thing. Spiritual shepherding requires that you're stepping in to take care of God's people. That you're stepping in to take care of God's people. So let's recap what's going on here um, in in this scenario here. Remember, Peter and six other disciples had gone out and gone fishing. They fished all night. They caught nothing. It's early morning now. And Jesus is on the, on the bank of the Sea of Galilee. He sees them out there. And he's like, hey, did you guys catch anything? And they're like, no. He's like, hey, tell you what. Throw your fish, your net, over the right side of the boat. And you're going to catch some fish. And they did. They threw it over. And it says that they caught so many fish that they could not get it in the boat. All right? Well, when they realized that it was Jesus on the shore, Peter jumps into the water. He's like, I'm not even going to wait around anymore. He's swimming to the shore. The other guys are, are rowing, and they're, and they're dragging the net along, and they get to the shore. And Jesus had breakfast ready for them, some fish and some bread. And uh, the coals were, I mean, kind of picture that scene, you know, the coals of the, the fire going, and, and, and the smell of the fish would have been cooking, and these guys had labored all night, nothing, and and now they got this huge catch of fish. And, and, and Jesus, I love what it says in the text. It says, come and have breakfast. You know, he, he didn't, he's not like, really, guys? Really, really? You're not obeying me? Come and have some breakfast. And so they eat breakfast with Jesus. And then we get to verse 15. Now, I'm going to come back to verses 9 through 14 because I have a point in that. But I just wanted to set it up to where we're at. So these guys now have finished breakfast with Jesus. And in verse 15, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, Feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, Yes, Lord, do you know I love you? And he said, Tend to my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. These verses here is Jesus restoring Peter. These verses is, is, getting, is Jesus getting Peter back in the game. All right. How many of you know, if you've ever played sports... If you have a, a bad game, all right, football, baseball, whatever, you just have a bad game, 
a good coach may, t- you know, like he may pull you out. But a good coach will do what? Put you back in. Because he knows your potential. And he knows the last thing, that the worst thing that could happen is to kick you off the team because you had a bad game. Peter had a really bad game one night, didn't he? Really bad. Because you got to remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. When Jesus was arrested and he was asked, Peter was asked by three different people, hey, aren't you a disciple of his? Don't you know him? And Peter's like, I don't know him, man. I've never heard of him. I've never followed him. It got to the point where even Peter called down curses on the people. Peter failed miserably, all right? And I'm even wondering, maybe in this moment, after, you know, Peter was like, you know what, I'm not going to fish for men. I'm going to go back to regular fishing. And, and he fished all night and he caught nothing. I'm sitting there wondering, did Peter have like maybe that one of those moments where he's like, I failed as a, as a disciple and now I'm failing as a fisherman. I can do nothing right. And Jesus looks at Peter and he, he, he's just like, hey, Peter, I, I just... Do you love me? Yes, I do. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? You know I do. Tend to my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know I do. Feed my sheep. Peter, I'm, I'm putting you back in the game. Peter, I'm reinstating you. Peter, I'm recommissioning you. Peter, do it again. Get involved. Be a shepherd. You see, he says three things. To, he, he, Jesus gives him three scenarios of what he's to do. Feed my lambs, tend to my sheep, feed my sheep. All right? All active things he needs to do. Feed, tend, feed. All right? First, he says, feed my lambs. Lambs. All right? Now, you know, Jesus, he's speaking metaphorically here. He's not talking about real sheep and real lambs. He's speaking metaphorically in the context of people. And so Jesus is like, first, um, your people are going to be in the group, which will eventually become the church, the body of Christ, because he says, feed my. So they belong to Christ. They, these are people who come to know Christ as a Savior. And first he says, feed my lambs. The word lamb in referring to can refer to two groups of people. People who are young in age and young in maturity, all right? Because a lamb was, a, a, you know, a little baby sheep. So he's talking about people who are, are, are small or immature in age, which would represent who? Children, okay? Or representing who are young, baby, and immature in their faith. Young believers or new believers. And he's like, you need to feed these people. He's like, Peter, you're going to, you're going to, because this is going to happen, Peter. People are coming into the fold. And some of those people are going to be children. And some of those people are going to be new believers, Peter. You've got to feed them. Now, what do you think, how do we, what, what do you think Jesus is referring to when he says, feed these kind of people? Feed them with what? The word of God. Peter, you got to teach them. Peter, you got to preach to them. Peter, you got you to get the word of God open and you've got to put it in front of them. You got to feed them. You got to teach them. Okay, do you understand why children's ministry is important? All right. And so with children's ministry, they're not over there right now just playing games. And I'm hoping they're not just playing games, right? 
We've, we've, got, we've got one of our children's leaders in here. And so they're over there, I'm hoping, teaching the Word of God, right? Adam and, and who else is over there? Devon is over there, teaching children the Word of God, all right? They, now, it may not be as deep as I'm trying to teach you, but they are teaching the Word of God so these young little lambs can grow up and mature to become mature sheep, all right? But also, not just young lambs as far as children, but young lambs as far as new believers, young believers, all right? This is why as a church it's so important for us, because young believers, just because they're a young believer, they don't belong in children's ministry. A 35-year-old woman can be a very baby believer, but she doesn't belong in a children's ministry. She belongs in here. So guess what we got to do? Preach the word. This is why we preach the word. This is why every week I say, hey, open up your Bibles, okay? Because it's not about what I have to say. I can, I can gibber all kind of stuff all day, but it's not what Jim has to say. It's what Jim is saying in accordance with what God has to say. And as I speak through the, the, through the Holy Spirit speaking through me and I communicate the word of God, the prayer is, is that the word of God is ministering to you, growing you. And so we want young believers in here hearing the word of God. But this is why also our small groups are important. Our Sunday school class is important. Getting young believers connected with mature believers, okay? And the reason why a small group is important is to help us grow with one another and learn from one another. And so we got to feed young lambs. But notice he also says, he says, tend to my sheep and feed my sheep now. He moves from young young unbelievers or children to now people who are more spiritually mature. Sheep are older, not just in age, okay? He's not talking about just older people. He's talking about people who are now mature in faith, okay? Because you can take a child who was a, a young, very young believer at 10, but in 10 years, they're still young as a young adult, 20. That's not very old, but can be very mature in their faith, okay? And so, so he's now talking about people who have matured in their faith, and he's, same thing, tend to these people, you know, feed them, care for them, all right? It's great that we, we want to reach people for Christ, right? We want people to come to know Christ, but we don't just sit there and go, whoo, we, we had 100 people come to know Christ this year. How are we feeding them? Are we growing them in Christ? Remember, I said this a few weeks ago, and this is on the back of our bulletin. As, our, as a church, our mission is simple. We want to see people come to know Christ, and we want to see people grow in Christ. And we want to balance both of those. We, we don't want to lopsight either one of them. We want to, we want to be the mission and, and stay on mission, reaching people for Jesus, and then we want to grow them in Christ. Okay, And so here's what we need to do. All of us, and I've said this numerous times through the book of John, all of us are to be shepherds. All of us need to be in this thing called spiritual shepherding. Now, when you think of a shepherd in the church, just be honest, who is the primary shepherd in the church? What do you think? It's the pastor. Your job, pastor, is to be the shepherd. Well, that's true, okay? Pastor and elders are the shepherds. We are the, 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 the overseers. We are the, the, if you want to call it, the, the chief shepherds of the church. 
But, everybody say but. Yes. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says that God gave to the church some to be apostles and evangelists and prophets and pastors. He gave those to the church not to be the only shepherd. And here's what it says. God gave pastors to the church so that the pastor can equip the church. The saints in the church. Guess who the saints are? Not dead people. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you got air in your lungs and a heartbeat in your chest, you are a saint because you're a believer in Christ. So as a saint in God... My primary job is to teach the Word of God to equip you to do the work of God. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that he gave, God, he gave some to be pastors to equip the saints of God to do the ministry of the church to build up the church. You see, that's all of us engaging in shepherding. Okay, Because how many of you know a pastor by himself or even a group of elders can't shepherd everybody in the church? Okay, I can't, How many of you know I can't shepherd children right now? I can no longer shepherd teenagers. I have no idea what's in a teenager's mind anymore. I don't think I could, I mean, I, I, I don't think I can do a good job at even shepherding young adults. Okay? That's why we all have got to be in the game. All of us. You are to be a spiritual fisherman on mission doing that, and you are to be a spiritual shepherd. So that means all of us have got to be engaging in this. This is where all of us have got to be engaged in serving and supporting. And here's what I mean. You should be serving in a ministry somewhere, somehow, in some way. Sitting here on Sunday morning, week after week after week after week, month after month after month, year after year, just sitting here, you're not spiritual shepherding. I love the fact that you come here and you listen, but this is not your primary place to be. Your primary place is to be here, but then find your place and serve. And you get engaged. You're stepping into a ministry whether that's children's ministry, whether it's a coffee vine, whether it's, you know, usher, greetering, what, greetering, greeting, <laughs> ushering and greetering. <laughs> Paula loves my little mishaps. Probably end up in an Instagram. Instagram post. <laughs> but we're all engaged in that, okay? Because as you serve one another, you're, you're, you're building up the church. You serve one another and, and you help one another and, and, another. So we all got to be in that somehow. But when I also said you serve and you support, this is why our small groups and our Sunday school class are in place. We don't have small groups just so a few people can go, oh, I attend Sunday school. No. Our small groups and our Sunday school has one purpose, to gather the saints together to support one another. Okay? We are to encourage one another. Bless one another. 
help one another, pray for one another. All right? Listen, if you're flying solo as a believer, you come to church, you show up at 10, you sit in your seat, you hear a message, you fly out of here, and you have no connection with nobody or anything until the next Sunday. You're not supporting anybody, and nobody is supporting you. This is why Paul writes in, in, in Romans chapter 1, he's writing to the Roman church, and he says, it's my prayer that I can come to you pretty soon and impart a spiritual gift to you. He goes, that is that when I show up, we can mutually encourage each other's faith. Mutually encourage. Paul knows the importance of having other people in his life, not just so he can just pour into, guess what Paul needs? People pouring into him. He needs people saying, hey, Paul, how can I pray for you, brother? He needs people coming around him, him Paul, you, you look like you've been beat up a little bit lately. Can I help you? We are to serve one another. We're to support one another. And the only way that happens is that you are engaging. Okay? We all are to engage. We all are to be stepping in to spiritual shepherding. So if you're not in ministry, Devon said it simply this morning. Get in that register, find a ministry. If you're not sure, well, I don't know where to serve, start somewhere. You may start it greeting at the front door and go, you know what, I really don't like being around people that much. I don't like this face-to-face stuff. Maybe that's not for me. But maybe being up in the computer because I'm all by myself up here, I love this, I don't have to talk. Maybe that's for you. Maybe for you it's children's ministry. I don't know. But it's finding a ministry and engaging, stepping into it, and getting involved in a small group. Okay, we have, we have our Sunday school class every Sunday. If you can't, if, if you can't make it to a small group um, at night, that's okay. Show up early on Sunday morning and get engaged in the, in the Sunday school class. But our small groups are listed in our bulletins. We have two on Sunday nights. We have, we have a men's group on, on, on Tuesday. We have a women's group on Tuesday. Paula and, and Abby and Andrea are, are going to have an event for the women Dece- Wednesday night, December 6th. These are the ways you engage. These are the ways that you have people. You, you, can, you can share with them. They can share with you. You pray for them. They pray for you. You're, you're, you're learning the word together. You're strengthening one another. You're encouraging one another. You're building one another up. That is spiritual shepherding. And that only happens when you are doing it engaging with everybody else. I'm not asking you to get involved in 15 different things. Find one ministry and engage in it. Find one small group and engage in it. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to be involved in a Tuesday night group and then Sunday morning. I'm not asking you to be involved in 15 different things. If you want to, giddy up. But if you're like, Jim, I I can do one small group and I can do one ministry. Giddy up. But the idea is, is that you're stepping in. And we all are spiritual shepherding. Here's the second thing that is required for spiritual shepherding. It is this, that you're taking care to be spiritually fed. That you're taking care to be spiritually fed. Now, this is where we go back to, to, to verse 9 again. 
So these boys have, have now rowed to the shore, and in verse 9 it says, When they got to the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place. Fish laid out on it and bread, and, and Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore and full of fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. I read that, and I thought this was very interesting. I love that. Um, this has nothing to do with the point, but I just thought it was a great um, thing to, to know. Is it says he hauled 153 fish. The nets would have been rope, and one thing the that fishermen back then had to tend, and even today, people who fish with nets is what? What would be one problem they would face? Broken nets, pulling it in and snap. Okay, or think about a fisherman with with a fishing pole. You know, you're reeling in that 15 pound bass, man. And all of a sudden, whack, your, your, your line breaks. You're like, oh, that was a big one. Now I got away. Fishermen, no different. But it says they pulled that thing in and the net did not break. Now, why is that significant? Because here's the thing. When you step into doing the, the shepherding, okay, when, and, 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 I, and I'm going to talk about it at the end of the service, but us as a church engaging in the community, when we need to do something, God makes sure the provision's there. Understand that, okay? When God calls you to do something, you're like, man, God is calling me to do this, and I don't know how this is going to, God will provide. He provides for the ministry that needs to get done, all right? So don't ever think, if you feel like God's calling you to do something, and you feel like, this is awfully big. I'm really far out here on the branch, and if it breaks, I don't know what I'm going to do. Listen, if you know God is calling you to do a specific thing, even if you don't know how the finances will come or who will help in it or how this is, if you just know God's leading you to do it, God will make sure the net will not break, and you'll be able to haul it in. Let's continue now. It says in verse 12, he said, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. He says, and none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? I, they shouldn't by this time. They've already seen Jesus now twice. And he thought, could you imagine someone going, are you really Jesus? I'm not sure. Man, I think Jesus would just like, oh, I'm done. But they're like, now, the reason why I say that is no one dared. Because I'm, I'm wondering, because Jesus now has his glorified body. I wonder if maybe he just like looked different. Because it says no one dared ask who he was. I'm wondering if his appearance may have been a little bit different. You know, kind of like on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was transfigured. I wonder if he just, he looked like Jesus, but maybe not. I'm not going to ask. You ask. I'm not asking. Hey, John, you're the disciple he loves. You ask him. Nobody's asking, man. Nobody's finding out. And it, says, it goes on and says, in verse 13, Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, he fed them. They toiled all night, probably physically they were tired, they were hungry, he fed them. But the spiritual parallel for this, for me, is not us being fed physically, it's being fed spiritually. Because the reality is, if you and I are going to engage in ministry, you're going to step into that spiritual shepherding. How many of you know that doing ministry sometimes gets hard? Okay? It, 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 it gets difficult. It gets tiring. 
And here's the reality. When you, start, when you do, do ministry, it's just not the, 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 the strain of ministry at times, but life itself gets hard, doesn't it? All right, life gets busy, life gets crazy. You start going through some fiery trials. So your life is like turned upside down and, and it's getting really hard. And, and, and now I got to serve in, how many of you know that gets hard? And it's very easy, let's just be honest, when my life gets hard, it's easy to what? Cash in the ministry. I, I'm not going to do ministry anymore. I got to take care of my, and the reality is, is when we're trying to shuffle all of this stuff, if we're not taking care to feed us spiritually, we burn out. And for some reason, let's just be honest here, for some reason, when we burn out, God gets the shaft. Ministry stops, small group stops. Worship attendance stops. And here's the reality. Guys, get this. Understand this. The worst thing we can do when we get tired. The worst thing we can do when we feel like life is just hard right now. When we're feeling that barrenness. When we're feeling that dark night of the soul. The worst thing you can do is shut God off. Stop. You stop, like, you close your Bibles. I, I, I'm, not, I'm just too tired to go to worship. I'm not going to minister. I'm not doing anything. That's the worst thing. That's like, that's like you physically, you're, you're, you're hungry physically. And, and you're just, do you ever get those times where then you've worked all day and you haven't had a, an ounce of food to eat? And you get home, like, and you're just like, why am I so tired? You're just, like, physically tired. And you just realize, wow, I had my bagel at 6 o'clock this morning and I haven't had anything else to eat. I haven't had anything else to drink. Your body's depleted and it's saying, feed me, feed me. Let me ask you, someone is willing to serve you a meal. Is it smart to go, nope, I'm shutting it down. I'm not going to eat again tonight. I'm not going to eat anymore because I'm so hungry, I'm not going to eat. That makes no sense, right? But why do we do that spiritually? We can tell when we are starving spiritually. But yet we shut God off. When, you, when life is hard and, and you're doing ministry, life is hard. Listen, you've got to keep plugging in to the Lord. You've got to keep making sure you are spiritually fed. That's why it's so important that you maintain a Bible study time. Why you maintain a, by, by reading Bible devotions. You know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to stand up here and be like, you know, every morning at 6 a.m. You got to be, no, I'm not going to say that. All right. But man, you've got to have a continual ingestion of God's word apart from Sunday morning. All right. I can only feed you so much on Sunday morning. And so throughout the week, you got to make sure you're opening up the Bible. You're opening up God's Word, reading it and studying it, having devotions, whatever it is. got to make sure you're spending time in prayer with God. All right? Again, I said this a few Your prayer time just isn't, well, I've got my prayer list. God, give me this, give me this, give me this, do this, do this, do this. And God isn't giving me this. He's not doing this, so why pray? 
Prayer is not just getting and God doing. Prayer is you connecting with the Father. It's having that relationship. It's you, and Paula said it great this morning. Prayer is you unloading your burdens on Okay? Listen, if you're not praying and you're not casting your anxiety on the Lord, where are they going? Nowhere. You're carrying in those things, man. Those burdens, those anxieties, that stress is just going to weigh on you. The way you and I cast our care and cast our worries and anxieties on the Lord is through prayer. And so you've got to make sure you're spending quality time with the Lord in prayer. You've got to make sure that worship is important. I'll go to church when I get around to it. No. Again, Coming to church is the wrong verbiage. We don't come to church. We come to worship as we are the church. All right? You are the church. If you want to go to church, just look at yourself in the mirror. There's the church. Because I belong to the body of Christ. So quit saying I'm going to church. You need to say, when I don't show up at that building, I'm missing worship. I'm missing gathering with God's people. I'm missing to be in the presence of the Spirit of God. Listen, I love the fact that people can listen online right now. And, I, and, and, and our online services, if you're sick, stay home and watch. If you are physically, you know, there's a lot of people with some physical conditions that can't get out. Man, stay home. And I'm, I, thank you for being and watching right now, guys. But I know that there are people who physically can be in church. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just simpler to stay home. It's just easier. Oh, man, I stayed up late on Saturday night. I watched that movie. I watched Top Gun again, and it was 1 a.m. And, and then I watched Maverick. I had to watch them both. And by the time I got to bed, it was 1.30, and oh, I'm just tired. I'd rather just stay What? Facebook Live. I love this. How many of you know it's not even the same? So you got to sure you're doing the things to keep feeding yourself spiritually and as you keep feeding yourself spiritually doesn't mean ministry is going to get any easier it's still going to be hard but you have the strength to do it so that way when you know man it's my sunday to serve in children's ministry you may not be fired up but guess what you have a little bit more strength to get in there and do it because you've been feeding yourself and so it's going to require to be a spiritual shepherd, that you're being spiritually fed. Here's the third thing about being, the third thing required for spiritual shepherding, and it's this, that you're restoring the closeness with Jesus. That you're restoring the closeness with Jesus. And this is what verses 15 through 17 are about. You notice Jesus just doesn't go up to Peter and go, Peter, get back in the game, man. There's some interaction here. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. I don't think Jesus was asking Peter those questions. I mean, I mean there, he denied him three times. Maybe this is the three times to like offset the three denials. It could be. It, 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 I think, it, I think it's more than, than trying to just restore Peter. I think it was trying to establish the reconnection again. It was getting Peter to admit him verbally 
saying, Jesus, I need you. I love you. I want to, it, it, it's re-engaging. It, it's getting back in the game of this thing. It's getting connected with Jesus again. Peter failed miserably. Now think about it. When, how many of you can identify with Peter's failure? Not denying Christ, but you just failed Jesus. Anybody? I feel like Paul in Romans chapter 7 so many times. Paul, I mean, Paul is just a great example of what it means to be wrapped in flesh. Because Paul's like, you know, the thing I want to do, I don't do it. The thing I shouldn't do, I keep doing. When I want to do what is right, right there, there's sin just crouching at my door. Anybody ever feel like that? I feel like I identify with Peter because when I, and I'm just going to talk about me, and I, I have a feeling you probably connect Do you ever sit and tell yourself, man, I'm going to be a better believer. I'm going to be a stronger follower. Man, I, I'm going I'm to make some commitments, and I'm going I'm to make sure that, you know what, I, I'm not, I'm not going to fall for that flesh thing again, man. I'm not falling for that thing again. I'm, I'm going I'm, only to go back to it. Do you ever feel like a pig going back to the whatever they go back to? You know, you clean a pig up, man. It's going back to the dirt. You ever feel like that? You ever just feel like, I'm not a very good disciple sometimes. What's great about this is this. It isn't Peter initially going to Jesus. It's Jesus going to Peter. I mean, Jesus could have looked at Peter and looked at those seven guys and said, Hey, you six, you're good to go. But Peter, I can't do anything with you. You're done. I mean, Peter sinned by denying Jesus. I don't know him. Jesus could have been like so wounded by that and said, Forget it. But he goes to Peter, Peter, do you love me? I do. Tend to my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Peter, get back into this because I'm not done with you. And listen, the same holds true for you. This morning as I was just reading in 1 John, I was just reading the first chapter, and I just came across 1 John when John says, listen, God is faithful and just. And he will forgive us of all of our sin and purify us of all of our unrighteousness. It was almost as if I had never read that before. And I read that and I went, isn't that the awesome faithfulness of God? Isn't that the awesome faithfulness of Jesus? That no matter how many times we screw up, no matter how many times we fail, no matter how deep we think we've wounded the heart of Jesus, no matter how bad we think we are, no matter how bad we think we've messed up, that God is always faithful if we will come to him and say, God, I screwed up again. Jesus, I messed up. Because here's the thing. When Jesus died on that cross, he's always there. It's not like he left and he's coming back. Jesus is always available. 
All we got to do is come back and say, I want that, that closeness restored. Because our sin, it, 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 it disrupts things. And all we got to do is say, here I am. Father, forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Purify me. And it is. It's instantaneous. And that closeness is restored. So maybe today, maybe you've just, there's things in your life that you just got to be honest about. Maybe there's sin in your life that you've just, you know, I'm not willing to deal with it. Maybe you got to start dealing with it. And you just kind of feel the, the closeness with, with Jesus. Just, it's not like you're not an unbeliever. But the intimacy with Jesus just isn't there. That closeness isn't there. You can feel it. Or maybe it's that you've just got to get, go back into that prayer room. Look at yourself. Ask the Lord, examine me. Lord, why am I feeling this way? And see what comes to mind. Begin to get back to that restoration of the closeness. Number four, here's the fourth thing that is required for spiritual shepherding. That you're motivated by the love of Jesus. Motivated by love for Jesus, not the love of Jesus, love for Jesus. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And three times Peter's like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I think it, he, I, and I, again, was it due to the denial? Could be. But I think there's so much more to Jesus asking him, do you love me, Peter? Because I think it's getting him, Peter, to think, why do I need to love Jesus so deeply? Why do I need to confess I love Jesus? Why? Because Peter, what you are, what I'm in reinstore, he's like, when you start feeding my lambs, when you tend to my sheep and you start feeding my sheep, Peter, it's going to get hard. Because look at the verse 18. Jesus says, truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you wherever, where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he would glorify God. It's kind of like Jesus is like, Peter, I'm going to tell you, you are going to have a hard life, buddy. And this is the kind of death, and I don't know what kind of death that is, all right? But, it, but, but historians say that Peter was crucified like Jesus. He's basically saying, Peter, you've got to love me so much that when it gets hard, you won't quit. Think about that. How many people quit because it gets hard? When it comes to ministry... We step into a ministry because we're like, well, I want to serve people, which is a great, that's a great thing. I, I, want, I, want to, I want to serve because I love people. That's a great thing. But here's the thing. Your willingness and wanting to serve people and love people by itself isn't enough. Because sheep are stubborn. Sheep will disappoint you. Sheep get disgruntled. Sheep will turn their back on you. Sheep will look at you and go, I don't like you. Sheep are like that. And when we want to be in ministry, and it's just because, well, I want to serve people, when you get disappointed enough, you'll quit serving. 
That's why we serve because of my love for him. My love for Jesus has got to grow. My love for Jesus has got to be deep. My love for Christ has got to be my motivation. Jesus, I love you, so I'm going to keep serving. Jesus, I love you, so I'm going to keep fishing for people. Jesus, I love you, and it's hard right now, and I love you too much to quit. I got to love Jesus. Last week, and I, like, I, I don't say these things to brag. I say these things because they, they come to me after I put a message together. Last week, I was reading Psalm 18. Verse 1, again, so simple, but blew me away. David is writing, King David, writing Psalm 18. Here's what he says. I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord, my strength. I read that, and I'm like, there's David, a man's man, saying, I love you, God. You know, when it comes to the emotional thing, like the emotional side of our relationship with God and Jesus, I think for women, a woman, I think, can say in prayer, Jesus, I love you, without even a hesitation. Men, let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you verbally, out loud, with all your heart, Jesus, I love you. What? That's kind of weird. That's mushy, mushy. Get over it. As a man, because the reality is, even in marriages, men just don't even tell our wives, I love you so much. Because we just, as men, we get numb in that area. You know, we just, well, I'm a man. We just, don't, we just don't get mushy. You know, our wives will say it all the time, but for some reason for a man, why is it so hard for a man to tell even a woman or another guy, dude, I love you. But when it comes to God, we think it's some weird thing to, as a man to just be praying and say, Father, I love you. I think it's easy, for, Father, thank you for loving me. That's easy. Because, man, I've been a mess, and oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. But, guys, when was the last time that you just lifted your hands and said, Jesus, I love you. I love you. Lord, my strength. Your love for Christ has got to grow and grow and get deeper and deeper. Because if you can't get deep with your love for Jesus, I'm telling you, spiritual shepherding is going to be hard. You've got to love Jesus. And then lastly, what is required for spiritual shepherding, and it's this, that you're focused on what you can do. That you're focused on what you can do. In verse 19, after Jesus says, here's Peter, here's what's going to happen. And he said, after saying this, he said to him, follow me. He looks at Peter and he says, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I want you to do. But Peter, when it's all said and done, follow me. Follow me, Peter. Following Jesus isn't some, just some abstract thought that's out there. Well, I'm a believer and I'm following Jesus, but I'm doing what I want to do. That's not following Jesus. Following Jesus just isn't having a belief in Jesus. 
Following Jesus isn't just saying, I have a faith in Jesus. Following Jesus is saying, I believe in Jesus so much, I do what he tells me to do. Perfectly? No. Progressively? Every day. Following Jesus is making a decision that says, I want to listen to the word. I want to hear the word. I want to act on the word. I want to be different. I want to follow my leader. I want to be like Christ. That is following Jesus. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you've got to follow me. I'm your leader. Follow me. But here's how you and I follow Jesus intently, though. Look at what he says. Look at verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, so he saw John following. He says, it's the one who was reclining at the close of the table, so he's talking about John. And in verse 21, he says, Peter saw him and said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? So what basically it sounds like that John overheard Jesus say what kind of death Peter would have. And so now G, John, or Peter sees John and says, well, how is he going to die? What, what's going to happen to him? And I like what Jesus says. What is it to you what I do with him? You follow me. He, he's like, Peter, I, I don't want you worrying about John. John will, do his, John will do John. Peter, you do Peter. If I choose to allow you to die one way, and I choose to allow John to die one way, what is that to you, Peter? You're not in control of it. You, have, you, have, you, you can't do anything here. You just do you, and I'll take care of John. Isn't that the same thing for when we do ministry? Because let me ask you, do you ever get your eyes off of Jesus and start looking at other people? Well, why don't they do anything? They never serve. Or, or do you look at people and go, wow, they're so gifted. If I had their talent or if I had their ability, boy, I could really make an impact in the church. Do you want to know what happens when you just you keep looking at other people instead of just focusing on self? That's when things like jealousy take place or anger, bitterness, you know, resentment or whatever it may be. We, we get our eyes off of Christ. We get our eyes on other people and we quit focusing on just who should we be focusing on? Self. What am I doing? What can I do? I, I don't care what Barb is doing. I don't care what this guy's doing. Man, all I know is here's what I can do. And I'm going to do what I can do for Christ to the best of my ability. If Barb doesn't want to serve, that's between her and God. But for me, I love it's the same thing as Joshua in Joshua chapter 24. When Joshua was trying to tell the nation of Israel, all the people of Israel, hey, follow God, follow God, follow God. When it was all said and done. Joshua just boiled it down to one little phrase. He's like, look, I'm not going to worry about all of you. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The big picture. He's like, I'm the leader of Israel and there's millions of people but I can't care about everybody. I can care about, care about one person and one family, and that's what I'm going to care about, me and my house. We will serve the Lord. This family down the street, if they don't, well, that's, that's up to them. So guess what, gang? 
if you want to serve the Lord, you serve the Lord. But don't get focused on who isn't and or who's doing it better than you. You look at what God has gifted you with. You look at your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your personality, your experiences. You look at your life and figure out, okay, God, what can I use? Here's what you've given me. Here's what you've allowed me to have. How can I use it for your glory? And that's all. And then you engage. You get stepped in, you step in, you plug in, you do what you can, and you serve Christ to the best of your ability. And if nobody else in the church decides to do it, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? Let me close with this. Last week I gave the, and this is why spiritual shepherding is going to be important. I gave us the challenge of looking at the Outwood community, Woodhall and Alpha. And I said, how can we as a church engage the Outwood community? And I said specifically young families. Because like I said, Paula is a, a mental therapist counselor at the schools and she sees the needs. She sees parents and families and the need that's there. And so I said on, on, on December 3rd after our fellowship um, heart, uh, holiday meal, we're going to have a powwow and I want to see what kind of ideas come out. How can we, 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 we reach young families and children? And, and, but here's that's the spiritual fishing. And we can throw out all kinds of lines, all right? But once we bring the fish in, who's going to clean them? Who, who, who's going to do the work that requires, that, that's required for the fish? Now listen, I have ideas. But if you're going to throw out ideas, backseat. I'm going to help figure out how to do this. Because it does no good for people to throw out ideas and then I go, hey, do you want to help with that? Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to help. I just wanted to give the idea. That doesn't help. So I want you to be praying over the next couple weeks. What, what can we do, Lord? Ah, oh, here's an idea. I think this would be a good one. Now, Lord, how do I help in that? Where's my part in that? How do I help? How, how do I spiritually fish? But Lord, how do I also spiritually shepherd? It's going to take both. So I want the ideas, but we need the shepherding. Does that make sense? So be praying for that because, gang, I want to believe. And as I've talked with the elders, I truly believe just even in Woodhall and Alpha. I believe just in these two small little towns there's at least 50 families that does not know Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you believe? Wouldn't you agree with that? I believe that Jesus doesn't go to the big cities and go, oh, you're only 700, 800 people. Nope, I don't care about you. I care for towns that are, you know, 30,000, 50,000, 100. I'll, I'll go for them. Jesus loves Woodhall and Alpha. He died for people in Woodhall and Alpha for the Outwood community just as much as he did for the bigger cities. I just am, I'm just communicating Woodhall and Alpha because our church is here in Woodhall. Let's engage. Let's figure it out. And let's see how many fish. And it's not to see how many fish we can catch. But let's catch fish. And then let's grow fish. 
Let's be spiritual fishermen, spiritual shepherds. Amen? Why don't we all stand? Let me just close this real quick in prayer. And then we're going to close with that song, Make Room. Because, loved ones, that's what we got to do is we got to make room. Because Jesus is the one we follow. So let me pray. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning. Jesus, help us to be those spiritual shepherds that you've called us to be. Help us to go and make disciples, baptizing them, and then teaching them to obey. We got a fish and we got a shepherd. And Lord, we just pray that as we keep praying and lead, asking for your leading and your direction, help us to reach the people in, in Woodhall and Alpha. But Lord, help us also to shepherd them. And that's going to require all of us. And Lord, I'm, I pray that all of us in this church, every single person, if this is our church home, then we're all saying, you know what? It's time for me to step in, to do my part, to be a spiritual shepherd here at Harvest Woodhall. So, Father, we thank you. We do praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.